Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, January the 14th, 2022, and the show will be rebroadcast on Monday, January the 17th, twenty. 22 from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please join us at koop.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. This is our 91st post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Welcome. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis with your host, Pedro Gatos. Tonight's show is a celebration of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. He was born on January 15th, but this year, 2022, he is celebrated on Monday, January the 17th. Dr. King is traditionally known for being the premier leader of civil rights movement in the United States. However, toward the end of his life, he was turning increasingly towards promoting the human rights of everyone, as his focus included poverty in the United States, and he saw the connection and called out the United States U.S. foreign policy in Vietnam as an example that constituted his description of the United States as the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. Tonight, we are joined by the Honorable Reverend Jim Rigby here in Austin, Texas, and Reverend Lloyd Griffin from Wharton, Texas, to lead us in a spiritual analysis of Dr. King's Beyond Vietnam speech of April 4th, 1967, exactly one year before his tragic assassination. Enjoy. So good evening, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is <laughs> Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos. Today is January the 22nd. 2022 and we are going to be pre-recording a show that will air live on monday the 17th of january of 2022 before we introduce our guests i wanted to start this show off as we did last week with a very compassionate and important letter of words by julian assage's mother it's an open letter to the world and it's dated december 28th 2021 Fifty years ago, when I first gave birth as a young mother, I thought there could be no greater pain, but I soon forgot it as I held my beautiful baby boy in my arms. I named him Julian. Now I realize I was wrong. There is a greater pain. The unrelenting pain of being the mother of an award-winning journalist who had the courage to publish the truth about high-level government crimes and corruption. The pain of seeing my son, who tried to publish important truths tarnished worldwide. The pain of seeing my son, who risked his life to expose injustice, framed and deprived of the right to a fair trial again and again. 
the pain of watching a healthy son slowly deteriorate because he was denied proper medical and health care in years and years of imprisonment, the anguish of seeing my son subjected to cruel psychological torture in an attempt to break his immense spirit, the constant nightmare that he will be extradited to the United States and then spend the rest of his days buried alive in total isolation, the constant fear that the CIA might carry out their plans to assassinate him, the wave of sadness as I watch his frail body collapse, exhausted from a mini-stroke at the last hearing due to chronic stress. Many people were traumatized to see a vengeful superpower using its unlimited resources to intimidate and destroy a defenseless individual. I want to thank all of the decent and caring citizens protesting globally against the brutal political persecution Julian suffered. Please keep raising your voice to your politicians until that is all you will hear. His life is in your hands, signed Christine Ann Assange, December 28, 2021. So I wanted to kick the show off with that, the power of not just dissent, but the power of revealing crimes of our government, and then instead of the government getting prosecuted, the person that revealed the crimes getting prosecuted is one of the conundrums that faces us in this world today. I wanted to also formally introduce, we're really blessed to have two special guests today. One is Reverend Jim Rigby. Reverend Rigby, welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness. Always a pleasure, Pedro. And I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Reverend Lloyd Grissom. He is a activist. He is a hospice chaplain, as I understand it. He also owns a barbecue place. So he's a very busy person, but he cares very much about justice and voting rights and that kind of thing. So I think it'll be a natural. I think you two will like each other very much. We're looking forward to getting his reflections and, and certainly your reflections as well. Reverend Jim Rigby, he's with uh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. He's been a a minister in Austin, Texas for over a quarter of a century. In 2007, Reverend Rigby was named the Texas Public Citizen of the Year. He's been recognized for his work around gender, economic, and racial issues, and just really any type of issue that compromises social justice. I've always appreciated the way he speaks as a global citizen, rather than a U.S. citizen, and I think that's particularly relevant for our discussion tonight. I wanted to go ahead and get started. Basically, what you may or may not know is that we are moving closer and closer to a, a major war conflict in the Ukraine. And today, I wasn't planning on speaking to this, but today, Jake Sullivan of the State Department indicated that they had evidence that Russia was coordinating a false flag attack that would then allow them to move on into the Ukraine and such. And I I just wanted to warn the listeners, this is, again, another claim in which no evidence to support the claim is presented. You may have remembered the Russian bounty story claim, where no evidence was brought to the table and never has been to this date. It's really very disheartening that all of these major news organizations, the Washington Post and the NPR, you know, rushed to report what was being said without any backing or evidence of what was being said based on the long, long track record of these misrepresentations, you know, as far as Iraq. I mean, you just go right down the line, but 
But anyhow, we're not going to be focusing on that. We're going to be focusing, though, in a general way on world politics. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in 1967 on April 4th delivered his speech beyond Vietnam. And in that speech, he, uh, he spoke about issues of violence in the world and how we were the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. He was assassinated in Memphis. He was there to defend the garbage workers who worked in these horrible conditions and sought only the decency of decent working conditions. Uh, Dr. King, at the same time, was increasingly focusing his attention domestically on the Poor People's Campaign in Washington, which was an effort to gain economic justice for poor people in the United States. He mentions a true revolution of values will look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. This is 1967, right? And so he goes on in this speech to indicate that not just here in the United States, but throughout the world, individual capitalists of the West are investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America, only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries. And so I wanted to fast forward to today because his main concern was on those two issues, I think, poverty and certainly race and such. And, and today, or recently, in 2020, Oxfam came out with a report indicating that the richest 1% of the world have more than double the wealth of 6.9 billion people. Among that 1% are the world's, at that time, 2,153 billionaires who in 2019 had more wealth than 4.6 billion people. Also, while there's been some gains in income since the Kerner Commission, you may know that in 1968, uh, LBJ initiated this Kerner Commission. It got formed, uh, found that poverty and institutional racism were the driving forces of the inner city violence of the country. It was largely ignored. But anyhow, this article refers to this period of time since the Kerner Commission uh, in terms of the wealth gap. There's been almost no progress. This according to the very prestigious economist, UC Berkeley economist Gabriel Zuckman, who studies wealth inequality. Quote, the average wealth of African Americans was 15% of the average wealth of whites in 1963, and it's still around 15% today. A core reason for this stagnation, he says, is continued disparities in home ownership. And so the article goes on. But I thought it was striking that Dr. King recognized that poverty was a particularly pernicious form of violence. And so when he spoke about, in this speech, he said that we are the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. In addition to the violence of our foreign policy, and especially our violent presence in history in Vietnam, and mentions this wealth disparity about the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth, he would be just so upset that in 50 years it's only gotten worse, not better. He, he says a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching a spiritual death and that this war in Vietnam, he felt, was a symptom of a far deeper malady within the American spirit. What I wanted to do before I turn to our guests is I wanted to also indicate that we also, since Dr. King's passing, have turned more and more to sanctioning the world. Today, 
almost 40% of the world's population is under U.S. sanctions. And on this show, we're not going to detail it tonight, but we've looked at Bolivia, we've looked at Haiti, Ecuador, Honduras, Libya, Iraq, Yemen, uh, Syria, everywhere that this government that Dr. King was so concerned about and its purveyor of violence, every government that we have put into power or knocked out of power, the people in that country are demonstrably, their quality of life is worse off if uh, U.S. foreign policy succeeds in its aspirations. And so these are the things that Dr. King spoke to in the speech. I think he laid it out pretty clearly that it was incumbent on the citizens of the United States to understand what's going on and hold our government in check. So anyhow, that's our introduction, but I wanted to frame our discussion at least to start off more in this international framework and as wealth inequality has increased in the United States, it certainly has done the same throughout the world. And so, Reverend, we've talked about this speech many, many times over the last 15 18 years and such, and each time I come back to it to read it, it just seems to be more powerfully relative to what needs to happen today. Uh, Your reflections before we turn to Reverend Griffin. Well, I I think you're putting your finger on the the pulse of what's happening. When he talks about the revolution of values, he sees the United States as having been born of a revolution, and it was a revolution for human rights, although it was incompletely understood. And so, What he's saying is there's a worldwide revolution now of people of the earth, of indigenous people, of poor people who who are rising up and asking for their human rights. And his diagnosis was that the United States was on the wrong side of that revolution, that we were counter-revolutionary. And I I think that the work that Reverend Grissom does and, and that Push Democracy Forward does is an expression of the kind of concern, this idea that poverty is a kind of frozen violence is, I think, a very important insight that that really transformed Dr. King from simply doing civil rights, as important as that is, to becoming a citizen of the whole world and become a critique of the economic system from which these problems spring. So this idea that human beings are more important than property is radical and revolutionary. And Dr. King challenged people to to choose between human rights and, and property rights as the foundation of civilization. In Texas, we are seeing a lot of the neoliberal policies that you know sort of horrifying in other countries: the, the sanctions, the uh, austerity, asking people to sacrifice while billionaires have their tax rates cut. This kind of thing is really coming home to the United States, and this was inevitable. It's like the our willingness as, a, as as citizens to allow the United States foreign policy to destroy other cultures, to keep the rich from having to to take responsibility. Eventually, that has to come home. And so, the, the work that Reverend Grissom is doing here in Texas about voting rights, I think, will really complement the kinds of points that you were making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Griffin, welcome to bringing light into darkness and. What would you like to share to start our conversation off about that particular speech of Dr. King and the current state of affairs in the country today? First off, let me say, Gatos, thank you so much for having me on your segment. I'm very grateful, honored, and delighted to be here with you and to discuss this issue that we're still 
facing, you know, 60, 50, 50 60 years later, mm-hmm. that we would think the dream would at least come into manifestation or fruition in some ways, but it seems like we, we have a gridlock that some people are, are just strictly bent on keeping things how they are. Um, voting rights is, is very simple. We're working really, really hard here in Texas just to get everyone to understand first where we come from and the ability that we have to even have a democracy that not hasn't failed, that has not folded. But I believe that our democracy is tainted and weakened in some areas. Voting, definitely the whole election process, I call it election integrity. We've lost our way. We've lost our morals. We've lost all of that. And, and it shows because, as you said, most of the men that are in that 1%, they're a small number, mm-hmm. and they have more money than 6.9 billion people. I mean, that that's, that's just ridiculous. But I, I believe that facet and that way of thinking and way of being has really evolved in everything in America. Prayers out to Ukraine and everything that's going on in any other country, but if the United States is going to brag on being the best and and always being there and having everything right, then we, we have some internal issues that are nagging at us that we really just need to snip in the bud. Mm-hmm. Dr. King was great. He was wonderful the way he articulated, the way he envisioned what could happen at a time where it seemed like it, it was never going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the way that he spoke to allow those words still today to ring with such fire and have so much power behind them, even just hearing them or reading them off the sheet of a paper, it makes you think where are we headed to? And we're headed to a place where if we don't come together and really understand what our democracy and what our country is about and the right to vote and the reason and and the, the power behind your vote, that should be the message that we're spreading to everyone. I believe people don't vote or don't even care about voting. Number one, because they don't understand the power in just simply you being able to cast your vote. That That's all voting rights has ever been about mm-hmm. with uh, African Americans and, and even women. Mm-hmm. When this country and the Constitution was written, the only person that could vote was a white male age 21 and older. With property. With property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So... We're all created equal, and everyone has the right to the pursuit of happiness. Then everyone should be entitled to vote on their leaders and have a voice and have an opinion in what we call our country. And that's that's just where we've been really just sticking in down here in Texas, um, because I don't know if you knew it or not, but since January of 2021, 18 states have enacted 30 separate laws. 18 states have enacted 30 separate laws that analysis, I believe, will will make it more difficult to vote. We're a country that prides ourselves on democracy, but we're so divided that we're making laws to make it more difficult for people to have the very basic freedom of what America was made for. Freedom. The right to express yourself. Of course, there are many different things that we uh, see as voting rights and, and economic exploitation, election integrity. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're, we're blaming this reason, and it's really got big since Trump has started the election fraud. It's just voter fraud. 
Mm-hmm. We, that is very, very extremely rare. If you do your history, you do your research, it's very, very extremely rare that someone is really cheating the system when it comes to the election process. And the way they're doing it, it's so systematic. They don't call it Jim Crow. I believe that the, the term I read earlier was James Crow because the systems are so much private and undergirded under our government and, and through every which way. We have to do something, and we must make it strong. And I understand that Martin Luther King was for everybody all over the world, but his heart was for his people in his country. Mm-hmm. He wished that we could be the country that we brag about being, mm-hmm. where all men are created equal. I'm sitting in the house of one of my oldest uncles that was in the Vietnam War, and it's amazing that he can go serve his country in Vietnam and come back to Texas and be a boy. Yeah, when you were talking about the democracy connection to the voting and all that and the 30 different laws now that have been passed in 18 different states in order to inhibit voting, I go back, Reverend, to the primacy of this wealth inequality. There's this group, ALEC, A-L-E-C. The American Legislative Exchange Council, A-L-E-C, is what the acronym stands for. Anyhow, that accept donations from a bunch of corporations, and then they actually draft legislation that's what they were, were created for, that's counter-democratic in order yes. to preserve and to expand these types of wealth inequalities that we're talking about. So when we talk about wealth inequality, it's not just that some people are poor and most people are poor and a very few are rich. It means those that are that rich disproportionately they own the legislative process they own they own the, me, the, the media that informs us or fails to inform us of all sides of all issues and but reverend Rigby, what are your reflections on what reverend griffin just shared to me one of the big news things that's striking me is senator cinema's comment that the root like disease in the united states is division and so she's not going to support legislation that, that causes this division. And it's fascinating to me. Here's supposedly a Democrat who's not calling division voter suppression. She's not calling division people dying from COVID unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. She's saying that not being able to get along with Republican plutocrats on behalf of the Democratic plutocrats that she represents, it's like that's more important to her than when she thinks something divisive, she doesn't think about injustice. She thinks about the inability to to strike deals with the rich people. And this this is a tragic, tragic condition where you have extremists on the right and you have a progressive wing of the left, but you also have a corporate wing of the left who are much nicer and they use nicer words and things, but they're still serving the same kind of oppression. Mm-hmm which was what I thought made it, it was so fascinating that the voter rights people in Georgia told Biden not to come if he didn't have a plan to uh, overturn the filibuster, which is, was just brilliant. You know, saying so they weren't going to be used as a photo op. And then, you know, the tragedy is the system is so, so weak now to actually stand up for voting rights. You divide even the Democrats mm-hmm. on that. So, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a tragic time. But I also think it's it's a very hopeful time. We may be going into a kind of catastrophic chapter of the nation's history. 
but there are voices that are being heard, you know, these prophetic voices like uh, Dr. King and Reverend Grissom, that will no longer be silent. Mm-hmm. I want to remind folks that we're visiting with Reverend Jim Rigby here from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church and the Honorable Reverend Lloyd Griffin from Wharton, Texas. And we're speaking in the backdrop of Dr. Martin Luther King's Beyond Vietnam speech. I was enamored in this speech by the simple morality types of, of lessons that Dr. King has peppered throughout this speech, just the value of every human life and the arrogance of the United States that he would call out time and time again and the way he would put himself in the shoes of other nations, particularly the Vietnamese, in, in, in a way that was, I thought, very compelling. You know, what would you think if, and then he would go on and you know point out this huge contradiction and, and that type of thing. But in his speech also, he, he talks about how a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. And uh, among so many other things, the, the violence in the world that he was so concerned about that we were purveying as well. But this particular thing, it's like we have the greatest expenditure in war materials and in uh, armaments and, and, and all of that. And we just got out of a war in Afghanistan, which I think people are beginning to realize that it didn't matter if we won or we lost. People were making huge amounts of money in the defense contracting areas and inside the Beltway up in Washington, D.C., and the lobbyists that are connected to all that. And I guess when you hear these stories that we cannot divert more money to programs to uplift the social majority that Dr. King was so concerned about here in our own country because we need to make sure we, we budget our money in a responsible fashion. Yet there's a complete absence of that when it comes to the defense spending that we, we just alluded to. And so I guess, you know, I wanted to ask you, Reverend Griffin, to uh, speak to that a little bit. But before you do, Reverend, we need to take a quick pause for the cause. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. And we will return to the premier community radio station of the nation right after this brief pause for the cause. Don't touch that dial.